Thanks for joining us at Warehouse Church. We would love for you to stay connected, and a great way for you to do that is to simply subscribe to this podcast. You can also stay connected throughout the week by checking out our website, warehousechurch.com, or by visiting our Facebook or Instagram pages. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. Good morning, Warehouse Church. Let me hear you this morning. Somebody put their hands together. Happy, happy Easter Sunday. We're so glad that you are all here with us today, and everybody that's watching online, we want to wish you a happy Easter as well. Thank you for all your kind words. Some of you, most of you know that Kim and I were not able to be here last Sunday because we had a little grandbaby that was uh, delivered uh, last Saturday in Orlando, Florida. So cool. And the Lord was just so, I'll probably talk about that for the next three or 30 weeks or something like that, but... Um, you would certainly welcome you to look at our Facebook pages and Instagram. We got lots and lots of pictures of little Rudy Jacks in the house. So uh, we're super thankful for that. And really so glad to be home. Man, am I glad to be home. And I want to introduce to you a series that we're starting today for Easter Sunday. It's called This Is Us. And I was kind of guilted into using that as a title because it's my wife's favorite show on TV. I don't know if you like that show. Uh, If you need to cry, watch that show. It'll get all the tears flowing for you. But that's not what this series is about. It was just a neat title. What we're going to be talking about over the next four to six weeks is what God has done in people's lives in in this ministry, Warehouse Church. Uh, Some of you that were here, most if you were here, you remember this. Uh, This is our second year of having Ben on the stage on Easter Sunday. How many remember Ben last year on Easter Sunday? Last Easter Sunday, this dude right here proposed to his fiance, Miss Angel, and they're getting married in a couple weeks, and it's going to be awesome. We can't wait to celebrate that with them. But God did something really, really special in his life, and I've asked him to come up and share that with you. So would you welcome Ben to the platform this morning, church? Morning, Warehouse. Happy Easter, guys. Um, Yeah. So Easter Sunday is becoming a, traditionally a day of boldness for me. <laughs> so um, yeah, just kind of bear with me here. So a little backstory about me. I grew up in a good Christian home. Um, God blessed me with an amazing family who loved and cared for me. You know, some might even say the ideal Christian family. Um, you know, they were a beautiful example of marriage to me. But what I didn't see was all the hard work that went into it. Um, I joined the Navy out of high school. Um, I was married soon after that. A few years later, I was assigned deployment, um, and I went out to sea for eight months. Um, When I came home, I found out that not only had she been unfaithful, but she was also pregnant. I was blindsided, guys. Um, Emotionally, I just didn't know how to handle the hurt, and instead, uh, I turned to the party scene. So even though I was still in the Navy, I was still a sailor. I started working for a nightclub on the side, and I just fell heavy into that lifestyle. Um, I soon became addicted to drugs. It got to the point where I could no longer hide my addiction from the Navy, uh, and I was eventually discharged. And from there, I bounced from place to place with no direction and no purpose. So three years later, I wound up in Dallas. Um, I met the girl of my dreams, Angel. And... um, We fell in love. Uh, She was aware of my drug habit, and she tried and tried to get me to stop. You know, I promised I would, but I always fell right back into it. 
I'd disappear for days, just wanting to escape the difficulties and the pain in my life. And eventually she, shot, she sought out help. She was at her wit's end. Um, I came home from another relapse, and by the grace of God, caught her on the way to class. She said to me, you know, I'm going to meet with Pastor Ed and Kim after class today. I mean, you can come with me or not. And I was wise enough to know that this was my last decision. This was my last chance. Um, so, you know, we met with Pastor Ed and Kim that afternoon. Uh, it was the first time I'd really shared my problem, you know, which I was actually still in denial about. Um, and Pastor Ed had some tough love for me. Um, you know, he advised me to accept help for my addictions and to get right spiritually. And uh, he did the same for Angel and suggested that we actually part ways. So that day was quite the eye-opener for me. So thank the Lord she stuck around because that day everything changed for me. I had accountability and I had a life I didn't want to lose. We chose to get involved in Warehouse. We started coming every Sunday. We started serving. We joined life groups. It was there that I met guys like Nick Stewart, Joey Boyvin, Johnny Papero. You know, the Lord knew that these were the kind of guys that, that I needed in my life, these kind of godly men. You know, I began to seek the Lord in all aspects of my life, and suddenly everything just kind of clicked. You know, this is how we're supposed to live, to have fellowship and to serve others through the church, and to most importantly serve and have a relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. So guys, today I'm redeemed through him. Amen. Um, in him I found purpose and peace. Today my life is a lot different than it was just a few years ago. Today Angel and I strive to put him first in our lives and in every decision we make. You know, we're strengthened by the community of strong individuals around us. Yes. And we're blessed to call Warehouse our home. Amen. It's good, Ben. Hey, Ben. Proud of you. Love you, bud. So I hope you heard what you said. The moral of the story is not come see me if you want to break up with somebody, okay? That's not the moral of the story. God did something in his life, and it changed him from who he was to who he is now. And he's still not the guy he's going to be. Amen, Angel? He's, he's got so much potential in front of him. We're banking on that, right? We're banking on that. But we believe because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, this is what God wants to do in all of our lives. And that's why we're here to celebrate this morning. It's Easter Sunday. I know some, I had a friend call, my buddy Kevin, we were talking on Friday. He said, hey, what are you gonna talk about on Sunday? I said, uh, probably the resurrection. We're gonna go with the resurrection as the, uh, as the main thing we're gonna talk about today. But what we really wanna focus on uh, in the resurrection is not what, but why. Why did Jesus do all that? Why did he come to this earth, born of a virgin, uh, lived amongst people that were, that were unappreciative, that, that really had very little faith, laid his life down. The Bible says, greater love is no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. That's what he did for you and I. And then he died to pay for everything that we ever did wrong. And that's even beyond comprehension to think about that. And then three days later, he was alive again. And that's what we celebrate today, his resurrection. So I, I wanna read for you the story of his resurrection in John chapter 20. It'll be up on our screens as well. And I just hope by the, you know, the Bible says when, when we read God's word and listen to God's word, there's just a blessing in that. So if you don't hear anything that I say after I read the Bible, concentrate on what this, what this passage says in John chapter 20, and God's going to bless you for it. So let's look at this today. John chapter 20, it says, now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was dark 
and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciples whom, whom Jesus loved and said to them, they've taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have laid him. So he was out of the tomb, but they didn't think he was risen, uh, rose up from the dead. He didn't think he was resurrected. They just thought the Roman government or the, or the Pharisees or Sadducees moved him somewhere. They really didn't comprehend what had taken place yet. Peter went out and the, and, and the other disciple, which is John, who's the author of this book, and were together, they ran together to the tomb. So when, they, when the other disciple at ran, and this is how you know that John is the author of this book because he said, the other disciple outran Peter. So he's doing a little trash talking to Peter here, okay? I got there before he did, but he was trying to be humble a little bit and saying it was just the other disciple. But John outran Peter, came to the tomb first. He stooped down and he looked in and saw the linen cloth lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came in following him, went into the tube, and he saw the linen cloth lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head not lying with the linen cloth, he fold, and they were folded together into place by itself. Then the other disciple, who came to the tomb first, trash-talking John, went in also, and he saw and believed, for as yet they did not know the scripture that he must arise from the dead. Then the disciples went away into their own homes. And what's interesting about this, they didn't understand the scripture, but they really didn't understand the words of Jesus. He told them multiple times throughout his life, I am going to be killed. And, and, he, and he did it in, in parable form at first, right? He talked about the temple was going to get broken down and rise up again. Then very literally, he talked to them and said, I'm going to be arrested. I am going to be beaten senseless. I am going to be crucified. I'm going to be in the grave three days, and I'm going to rise up again from the dead. And they're, they're there on the third day, and they're going, I just don't understand what happened to him. Where's his body? Where'd he go? This, this, this. And it says they didn't understand the scripture, but they really didn't even understand the very words of God from Jesus himself. Mary, in verse 11, stood outside by the tomb weeping. And she wept. As she wept, she, she stooped down, looked into the tomb. She saw two angels in white uh, sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had been laid. Then they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said, because they've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have laid him. Now, when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she, supposing him to be a gardener, said to him, sir, if you, can, if, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him that I may take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher. And then Jesus said, don't cling to me, don't touch me, for I've not ascended yet up into my father. But go to all my brothers and say to them, I'm going to see my father and your father and to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that she had spoken these things to her. Then the same day at the evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood right in the middle of his disciples and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands, his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw that it was the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace be unto you. As the Father has sent me, I'm going to send you. <clears throat> and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they're going to be retained. Now Thomas, called the twin, 
said to the 12, uh, one of the 12 was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. And Thomas, you know Thomas, here it says he was called twin, but he's also referred to as doubting Thomas, said to them, unless I see his hands, the print of his nails, and put my finger into the sides uh, with the print of the nails, and put my hands in his side, I'm not going to believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Then Jesus came, and the doors being shut, they stood in the midst and said, peace be to you. And then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands. Reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, my Lord and my God. And I love this verse because this is really directly towards you and I today. Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen, yet still will believe. And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not even written in this book. But these are written for this reason, that you and I may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And by believing, you may have life in his name. So as we think about today, Resurrection Sunday, what's the big why on Resurrection Sunday? I'm going to submit to you two things this morning that I hope that will be an encouragement to you, will be a blessing to you, and will make Easter Sunday very personal to all of us this morning. See, here's the thing. There's peace in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, when we celebrate Christmas, we heard that saying, peace on earth and what? How's that finish out? Goodwill towards men, right? And, and, and when we understand that, you think about that, and you say, okay, this baby came to the earth. What's he doing to bring peace? Like, from my perception, babies bring chaos, right? I have four daughters. Uh, my oldest daughter's 34. My youngest is 24. My baby had a baby, so, like, I'm feeling super old today, okay? But when, I, when, when a baby enters into a young couple's life, especially the first baby, you know, you, you, it, it's not that, you know, when you have a baby shower and you're getting all these great presents and all the ladies dress up, first of all, guys, how many of you are thankful you don't have to go to baby showers? Say Amen. This new thing about husbands going to baby showers, I am not for that whatsoever. But I'm past all that, so it don't matter now, right? But when a baby, and it's a blessing, baby comes, oh, you're bringing, we, had, we, we were able to share a lot of the first moments last week when Rudy came home. He came, his first time through the front door of the house, right? His first chiropractic visit was this week, Dr. Hooten. He got all straightened out. Uh, his first this is, and all these little firsts in the first five or six days. And there are several hundred pictures to prove that on all of our family's uh, Instagram and social media. But there's something else that Rudy does a lot, and he cries. And his mom is not getting a whole lot of sleep. And his dad, I, I got a great picture of, of Ryan. Kim was sending us all these pictures when she's having the baby. And I said, baby, you gotta be careful of that stuff because, you know, that's a lot. There's a whole lot going on there, right? And she sent us this one picture, and Ryan, I'm gonna be careful how I say this, but Ryan's like holding Emily, holding her leg and looking where the baby comes into the world, if you let me say that this morning. And she had lots and lots and lots of stitches and stuff. And God, thank you for making me a man this morning. I just want to thank you for that. But the thing about that, you say, Pastor, you don't need to say it. Here's, here's, here's what happened. It was great. Kim got a picture of Ryan standing over her going like this. <laughs> like in terror, right? And I can't wait to show that to him someday when he's of sound mind. Because you know what this baby did? This baby brought chaos. So when we say, when Jesus was born, he brought peace on earth, not yet. He didn't bring peace on earth when he was a baby. 
Even when he was 12 years old, he was in the temple, and he was talking back and forth to these rabbis, just saying, man, this kid knows a whole lot of stuff. He didn't bring peace on earth, but when he brought peace on earth was when he died and rose again from the grave, right? John and Yoko Ono sang a song. All we are saying is give peace a what? Chance, right? And, And the thing about this peace that God offers us, this peace of God that passes all understanding, only happens because of the resurrection. Now, look specifically at the story that we read this morning. And let me give you just some things to understand about this, how Jesus brought peace to his disciples and early followers. The first thing is, even when the doors were locked, right, they were hiding. They were all together trying to figure out what's going on, right? And it, it, because we weren't there and we weren't the disciples, it's kind of hard to comprehend. You're thinking, just like uh, when Nathan was talking about that song about Lazarus, Resurrection. Jesus called out to Lazarus, and Lazarus rose again from the grave, right? And he walked out, and Jesus said, take off his linens. He's alive, and he was alive. It was a great, great day that day. God's power was demonstrated that day when Lazarus rose from the grave. But they're thinking, okay, because Jesus is in the grave, who's going to call him out from the grave, right? The one that does all these miracles is no longer with us. Houses, and they're trying to figure out their faith. They're trying to figure out the last three and a half years what are we supposed to do now? Some of them said, well, you know what? We're going to just go back and be fishermen. We're still going to be believers, but we, got, we need a new leader. And they're trying to figure out all this stuff going on. They're behind closed doors because they were scared. And Jesus, the resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ, shows up right in the middle of them and says, guys, peace. And the calmness that came upon them was very special. And some of you can understand that. Those of you that are parents can understand that. Uh, when we went and saw Emily last week, getting ready to have her baby, the timing of it was just amazing. I'm not going to talk about it the whole service, but we were there to do something else, and God let that happen while we were in Orlando. It was really, really sweet. But I just, we were at a wedding. We drove to the hospital. Emily's facing all the stuff that's going on with her body, her liver shut down, this, 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 and this, and she was scared, and Ryan was scared. And as soon as we walked, excuse me, as soon as her mother walked into the room, I was the driver, so I got a little credit from that. But as soon as Kim got by her daughter's side, you, you could visibly see the peace that came upon her. And maybe you have somebody that spoke peace unto you. Maybe you've been missing, been missing somebody from your family that you haven't seen for a long time. Or maybe you've gone through a tragedy, a death in the family or something horrible. And that, that rock in your life that's here in your life shows up and it just kind of calms you a little bit, right? And that's what happened with Jesus that day. He showed up. This conversation of what's going to happen, he's dead. What's going to happen? What are we going to do? We're scared. We're this, we're this, we're this, we're this. Utter chaos in the room. And he just shows up and says, I got this, guys. Peace. And they saw his hands. And the Bible says he opened up his robe. And they could could see the wound where the spear was thrust into his side. And they understood that he was the resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ, John 20, 20 says, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Luke 24, 39, it says, behold, my hands and my feet, Jesus said, that it is myself. Handle me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have have. He said, I'm here. I got you guys. I'm with you. I'm not, and, and all these promises that he had made for the past, I will never leave you or forsake you. I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again and receive you unto myself. Because where I am, that's where I want you to be. All these affirming things of their relationship, they really kind of started to remember. And it was, it was one of those things where it's kind of like that aha moment that we have when we had, if you're a parent, if you had kids. Remember the day that you really started to appreciate your parents? 
Like when your kid was two or three years old, you went, oh, I get it now. That, like that kind, of, that kind of thing. Well, when Jesus showed up and, and they saw that he was resurrected from the dead, this peace that came upon them uh, because of what he had done. Even when the doors are locked, the application of this is that he's going to be there. Here's the second thing. And I think this is so practical because of what, what's happened in our world the past couple years, this climate that we live in of instability all over the place. Jesus was there in the midst of their fear. In verse number 19 to chapter 20, he said, then the same day at the evening being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, the disciples were assembled, afraid of the Jews. He came and stood in the midst at the point of the, uh, the, the deepest part of their fear. And he said, peace be with you. But this was prophesied all the way back in the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah, where it says in, in Isaiah 41.10, fear not for I am with you. Don't be afraid because I am your God. I'm gonna strengthen you. I'm gonna help you. I will withhold you with my righteous right hand. Our lives have been submerged with so much fear. It's almost like we're being taught to live afraid. I'm not making a political statement. I'm not making a controversial statement, but I'm telling you, church, we are taught to be afraid of a lot of stuff. And God teaches us in the book of 2 Timothy, God, didn't, God doesn't want you to carry a spirit of fear, but, 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 but a power and of love and of a sound mind. He wants you to know, in the midst of all this craziness, he has you. We, you you've seen pictures maybe on Facebook or some videos on Facebook of churches and Christians, of people that are from the Ukraine that are calling out in God's name and they're singing praises to him. And here we are in probably, probably one of the most richest parts of the whole world. And we're in church in a beautiful air-conditioned building and we're together and assembled very safely. You're not worried about anybody breaking in your cars during church. Knock on wood. I hope that doesn't happen today, right? That did happen to us on a Sunday a few years ago uh, when we were at a different location. It's not funny, but ironic that I said that. We don't fear that. We don't fear when we go down the street. We don't fear when we walk into a store, right? We don't fear that something awful can happen. But Christians in China and Christians in Ukraine trying to get out of that country and Christians in other countries not friendly to the gospel of Jesus Christ, our meeting. And just like he's telling you and I today in Dallas, Texas, he says the same thing. Don't be afraid. I got you. Because you know where you're at right now? You're in very temporary housing. Very temporary. This world is, 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 is going to pass away someday. And the thing that's going to remain forever and ever and ever is your soul and your spirit. And God wants you to know if you have a relationship with him, he's got you. And there's something about that. Yeah, do you ever have somebody in your life come alongside of you in a dark time and said, dude, I got you. I got you covered, man. I'm going to walk through this thing with you. And what that did inside of your life, that's what Jesus wants you to know this morning, that uh, he is there in the midst of our fear. And the third thing is, Jesus, because of this, because of his resurrection, because of the price that he paid for paying for all of our sins, for resurrecting from the dead, proving that he was God, God's son in the flesh, he wants to be the center of your life. And the same evening, I'm gonna read verse 19 again. In the same evening, being the first day of the week, the doors were shut, the disciples were uh, assembled, they were afraid, and it says this, Jesus came and stood right in the middle of them. You know what he wants to do? He wants to be right in the middle of your life. And listen, not just on Sunday when we come to church, right? 
Not just when we're going through stuff. You want to know when you pray really good when you're going through stuff. You know, when, when you're going through personal things that are difficult, when you're going through crisis in your life because of health or crisis in your life because your family or crisis in your life because your finances, your kids or whatever it is, we are really, really good prayers when things are tough, aren't we? All of us are. Oh, God, help me. And you know, those simple prayers like that, God hears those prayers. But here's the thing. He wants to be part of your life on Monday. He wants to be part of your life if you come here to church on Father's Day. And on Father's Day Tuesday, we're taking our church, to, and I've been corrected on how to say this, to the Texas Rangers game when they play the Philadelphia Phillies. Come on with that action, right? So you have to, the motives there are very questionable on my behalf. He wants to be with you at the game. He wants to be with you when you're having pork chops for dinner this afternoon or whatever you eat for Easter Everybody's going to tell me, no, that's pork chops isn't Easter. It's ham, and it's this, and it's this, and it's this. I, I, you know what I would have today if I could, because I'm flying to go get my wife this afternoon? I'd have Chick-fil-A, but they're closed on Sundays. That's what I would have today. But, but he wants us to know that he wants to be right in the center of our life, not just on Sundays and religious gatherings like we're having here today on Easter Sunday. So, so here's, here's what I want to tell you this morning, kind of as a closing thought. The, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a very personal gift to you and I. Uh, the statement that he made to the disciples, he makes to us, peace be with you. Ephesians chapter two, it says, for he himself is our peace, who has made both one, and he has broken down the middle of the wall separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments contained in, ordinance, in, in, in the ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God and one body and through the cross, therefore putting to death the enmity. The enemy. Then it, and he came and preached peace to you who were far off and to those who were near. For through him we both have, and this is so wonderful, this is the peace that God wants you and I to have, because of what Jesus Christ did, lived on this earth, perfect life, died on the cross, rose again from the grave three days later. The Bible says this in Ephesians chapter two. Because of him, we have access to the Father through the Spirit. You have access. You don't have to come up to me and say, hey, Pastor Ed, man, I messed up this week. My friend Jeff came up to me and said, man, I've, just been, I've been a junkyard dog this week. I just messed up, messed up, messed up, messed up. I need to confess some things to you. He doesn't need to confess to me anything. Because you know what I am? I'm a guy that prays prayers of confession a lot. Does anybody else pray prayers of confession a lot? Right? Because here's the thing. What Jesus Christ did for us on the cross of Calvary gave us instant access to have a one-on-one -on -one personal relationship with God. So we can pray to him. We can talk to him. We don't have to sacrifice stuff. We don't have to perform religious ceremonies. God wants us, he says in the book of Hebrews, to come boldly before the throne of grace. He wants you to talk to him. He wants you to share your burdens with him. He wants to, as immediately, it, the Bible says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. And on top of that, cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He wants that extreme personal relationship with you. Listen, he just doesn't want you to have those prayers at mealtime. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for the bounty before us. When we, we go to, you've heard, if you've been to this church before, you've heard me say that uh, we go to spin pizza maybe once or three times a week, right? This pizza place over on Campbell. And my buddy, the manager of spin pizza is here today, Steve. Steve, I'm glad you're here today. That's my dude right there. 
When we, we, all, of our, all of our nutritious cauliflower crust, you know, pizza that we're having there that day. And we'll just, we'll just thank the, Dave's there too. Richard's there sometimes. Other godly people that love Jesus are there too. And all that stuff comes out and we pray. We should be praying afterwards for forgiveness for the shrapnel and all the food that's on the floor for my grandkids, right? And it's really easy to pray when we're thankful, right? Oh, God, thank you for this. So good. This, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for food and this and this. But you know what kind of relationship God wants with you? Like just a, oh, God, I need you. Or God, I'm sorry. Help me make this decision. It doesn't have to be this really flowery, super religious sounding group of words for you to have access with God. He, listen, he, know, he knows every good thing about you, but he knows every bad thing about you. And but you know what else he knows? The sincerity of your heart. And God's gonna bless that. He came to give peace because he wants you to have peace in your life. He wants you to have peace with God, peace, peace between you and God. When he came to forgive you of your sins, he did that to restore your relationship with God. All the way back in the book of Genesis, I'm sure you heard the story. Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit. God said, don't eat that fruit. The day you eat of it, you're going to surely die. And he was talking about a spiritual death. And that because of that, the book of Romans says, wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passes upon all men because all have sinned. We receive an inheritance from our fathers. You know what that inheritance is? A sinful nature. Now, as a father of daughters, I was very happy to tell my son-in-law his crying and sinful nature is your fault. Like, I was really happy to do that, right? Not from my daughter who's perfect, but from you, you junkyard dog, right? But here's the thing. That's, we receive a sinful nature, but here's what God did. He let his son die in your place and cover, and not cover, but take away all of your sins so you can have a relationship with him, access to him, blessings by him, a place forever and ever in eternity because, because Jesus came to bring you peace between you and God. Here's something else he did. He came to give you peace with us and others. He, he talks about, we, 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 did, uh, we celebrated communion last week. If you enjoy taking communion, we do it on the first Sunday of every month. And one of the things that we talk about during communion is God gave us communion, not just to reflect, but to remember. We reflect on what Jesus did for us. We remember what Jesus did for us. But here's what else we do. We search our hearts to see if there's anything wrong between one another, and we do that because Jesus, Jesus told Paul to tell us this, you don't take this unless things are right with one another. Jesus even said something about your gifts. Don't you, don't you have a, a family squabble and think you're gonna be okay because you're bringing a good offering to the church? Take care of your business, and then you can come with a pure heart and bring an offering to the ministry, right? And he tells us this because he desires us to have things right with one another. We can't buy grace from God. We can't write a check to get God's favor. What God's favor will get, you know what brings you God's favor in your life? A guarantee. If you want a guarantee of God's favor in your life, obey him. Then the windows of heaven will be opened up to you and God will bless your life crazy. He came to give you peace between us and others. He came to bring peace with the world. Listen, the United States, I love America, super patriotic dude. We got a flag outside. If you come here on uh, July 4th weekend, I think July 4th is actually a Sunday this year. I'll be red, white, and blue from top to bottom, okay? I love, love United States of America. But I'm gonna tell you something. The answer to the crisis in the world today is not the United States of America, it's Jesus Christ. We can't solve all the problems in the world. And we're, you can clap on that, it's all good. We're not here to solve the world's problems. You know what we're here to do? Introduce people to Jesus. Then we also have, this is, the, this is so beautiful for all of us personal today. 
We, Jesus came to give us peace in our afterlife. Real simply, God says this in the book of John. For God so loved the world that he gave, he gave to you and me, his only begotten son. And whoever believes in him won't perish, but they're gonna live forever. Um, there's a couple things that pastors get to do that one's kind of a fun thing and one's kind of a, you know, it's hard. Weddings and funerals, right? Um, you're with people during a very sensitive time in their life. And last week of April, we're gonna be marrying Ben and Angel in a zoo. I just, I'm, whatever, I don't even understand that, but I'm gonna be, I, I guess I'm gonna wear like a zebra print outfit that day or something like that. They're getting married. But if we're gonna be able to share, that's gonna be a great, great time. But you know, one of the other things we do a lot with folks is, we, you know, we, we wanna be there to walk, walk with them and walk, walk it through with them when they lose a loved one. It's hard. You know, when you're, if you've ever been to a wedding before, most of you have, and you're kind of sitting there with your honey. I love going to weddings that I'm not doing too. And I put, I put my arm around my wife and I'm, when I hear the vows, I'm kind of reminded of the promises I made to her. Give her a little squeeze, you know, things I've messed up on. She gives me one of these things, right? But when we hear a wedding and the wedding vows, we're very reflective of that if you're, you know, if you're married. And then when you're at a funeral, you're very reflective and you really do. It, it just happens to all of us naturally we really are kind of confronted with the brevity of life. Like, man, and the Bible says in the book of James, life is a vapor. You live 70 years, you live 80 years, you live 90 years, you live 100 years, God bless you. I hope you do get a big, long life like that. But to God, that period of time is nothing in eternity. And here's the thing about what Jesus did. He came to give you an abundant life, and that doesn't mean you're gonna be super, super rich because you have a relationship with Jesus. It just means you have peace on this earth. He came to give you forgiveness. He came to give you blessings and blessings. Of bl but you know why he came? Because you can live the hardest life in the world and things not even seem fair or equitable because even the Bible talks about that, that, that people that are believers and followers of Jesus look out and see people that live like these extravagant lifestyles and they have everything and they curse God, the Bible says. And you may be humble and give and serve and do all these things. And sometimes we kind of look at those things and it's very unequitable on our personal scales and we say, why is that dude doing that and have everything and I'm struggling over here? Because we're not here to live for today. Jesus came for the greatest retirement plan anybody could ever have forever. The Bible says in John chapter 14, he's preparing a place for us. He prepared that place for us so that when he comes back, the Bible tells us, he's gonna receive us to himself and we're gonna be with him forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. We're not gonna need a doctor. We're not gonna need any medicine. We're not gonna need any adjustments. We're not gonna need to lose any weight. Hallelujah. We can eat without guilt. We can hang out with God forever and ever in a perfect body with everybody that loves God and made a commitment to him because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. God came to this world through his son Jesus to give us peace with forever. So let me ask you a couple questions as we pray. What do we do about that? <laughs> It's Easter Sunday, Easter eggs, big meal today. Had somebody sideways compliment me today. They said, Pastor, I like your shirt. Looks very Eastery. I looked at him, he said, just, just like an Easter egg. <laughs> so I took it as this, not the colors, you know, so I'm a little insecure. And Easter's great, man. It's, 
any, anything that we do that brings our family together, some of you are here visiting just because your family invited you. We're glad you're, we hope you come back. Well, this place is for you. We love, we love it when we see new folks come to our church. But all those things are good things. There's nothing wrong with all that Easter eggy stuff. Just don't eat too much chocolate today, okay? Then you, you, know, then you have to do all that on Monday. But the purpose that we come here today is to celebrate what Jesus did for you and I and what he wants of all of us today. Because here's the thing. You're, even though you're facing me, I'm not confronting you, but maybe the Holy Spirit of God is confronting you with a relationship that God desires to have with you. And the question I want to ask you is this. Will you receive Jesus' peace today? He said this in John chapter 20, again. So Jesus said to them, peace be to you. I got you guys. It's all good. I'm sure they were going crazy. Jesus said, guys, just relax. Peace be to you. And then he said this. As the Father sent me to you, right, to give you peace, he said this. I'm sending you. And after he said that, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. John chapter one and verse number 12 is a beautiful picture of the relationship that God desires to have with you. He says this, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to, be, to become the sons of God. And then it says this, even to those that believe in his name. So if, if you will receive the peace of Jesus today, the Bible says that's you believing that Jesus came to this earth, believing that he led a perfect life, believing that he died and paid for every sin that humanity, specifically you and I, ever committed. And he did that because he loves you and he did that because he wants to give you peace. And if you wanna pray in just a moment when we close our service out with me, we're not gonna confront you. Nobody's gonna come up. This isn't like a weird thing where you're gonna have to be embarrassed in front of everybody. We're gonna have a quiet moment of prayer and I'm gonna lead you right where you're sitting or even online today, how you can pray and receive Jesus Christ as your personal savior. But here's the second question, right? I'm going to ask you this question and we're going to pray. He gave us his peace, number one, so that we would have peace today by accepting him as Savior. And he also gave us his peace today, secondly, so that we would share his peace with others. He gave us this great, great gift. We had that happen last week in our family. We couldn't wait to share pictures. And I had to do what you had. I mean, as, as, as the dad... I, I, we're, we're getting pictures. I'm receiving pictures. I had to go in and say to my daughter, okay, when are we allowed to post, right? Because I couldn't be the first one to post this stuff. They had to be, the, you know, all their little personal things, and then I could copy and paste and send it out to my thing. But they, and I had to get all the rules, right? Parents, ask your kids before you post their stuff or you're going to get in big trouble. I learned that, all right? But, but the thing is, when we receive something good, when something great happens in your life, right, when you get a promotion, when you have a child, when you have a grandchild, when you get engaged, when you're getting married at a zoo with sloths and giraffes and whatever, when, when, when those things happen, you want to tell other people about it. Because you know what we like to do? We like to share good news. And you know what the literal meaning of the gospel of Jesus Christ is? The good news of Jesus. So when he comes into your life, forgives you of your sin, listen, changes the course of your eternity because of what he did for you, and you believe that and receive that, you know what he wants you to do in return? He doesn't want to write you, doesn't want you to write a check for a million dollars. He doesn't want you to do that. You can. Giving boxes are in the back, you know, whatever you want to do. That's fine. Here's what he wants you to do. Tell other people what he did in your life. That's it. Witnesses are people that have experienced something personally and can tell what they have when you go to court. You swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God. In Texas, they say, so help you God. Not in those crazy states, they don't. 
but so help you God. Yes, I'll tell you the truth. Tell me what happened and what are you doing? You're answering questions because you had a personal account of that situation that somebody's going through. A witness of Jesus doesn't mean you're going and knocking on people's doors and driving them crazy. Here's what it means. You're telling people what happened to you personally. Hey, man, come to Warehouse Church with me next week. Music's great. Preaching's okay. The kids' ministry's awesome. But I want you to hear about what happened in Ben's life. I want you to hear about what God will do in your life. We, I, 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 I love you so much. And listen, it's just not on one ask. If you want to bump into Steve, I'm going to embarrass my buddy this morning. And he's a good man. We, we've talked about Christianity and church and stuff like that for the past two or three years that I've known him. But ask him how many times I invited him to come to church. And I'm, not, and, I'm, and I'm not even saying he didn't go to church. I just kept inviting him because I like that dude. Hoping to get a discount card and spend pizza someday, man. I mean, a brother's got to get some love up in here. You know what I'm saying? But it's not just one. Listen, it's not your one ask. Hey, will you come to church next week? Okay, I'm done. Sometimes it takes time. You got a culture. You have to have a relationship. You have to build trust. And you know what you have to do? Reflect that relationship that you say that you have. Will you accept his peace today? And will you share his peace if you have it? Let's pray. Thank you, Father in heaven. Today's Resurrection Sunday, but every, every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. We celebrate <coughs> your resurrection in our life groups that meet throughout the week. We celebrated the resurrection today in our kids' classes. They're going to be going home with a bunch of candy and a bunch of stuff. Um, in our Brazilian service tonight, they're going to talk about the resurrection. In our Chinese service, it's happening right now on Facebook. They're going to talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In our Spanish church, it's going to be here in about 20 minutes, meeting in this room in the, in, in the Spanish language. They're going to be telling people about the resurrection of Jesus. And Lord, you did that so that we could have a relationship with you. You loved us so much that you came to this rotten world with all this craziness and, and darkness that we, that we run into all the time. And you did all that because you love us, because you want something better for us. You want us to be saved. You want us to be in heaven with you forever. And you love us. And I thank you for that love. And I thank you for that love that was demonstrated when you died on the cross, when you rose again from the grave, and the peace that you offer because of that. And as, as we have our heads about and our eyes closed, old friends, new friends, if you're new to Warehouse Church, if you've been here for a while, if you've never prayed personally and asked God to forgive you of your sins and invite Jesus to come into your heart, you can do that right now in this auditorium with not anybody else knowing except for God himself. And very simply, the Bible says that whoever, whoever, doesn't matter how bad you think you are, what your past looks like, you know, you could be busted, disgusted, can't be trusted. God doesn't care about any of that stuff. He loves you just the way that you are, but he loves you so much he doesn't want to leave you that way. He wants you to pray and ask him to forgive you of your sins. And the Bible says when you do, they're forgiven and invite Jesus into your life to save you. If you want to do that today, let me lead you in that prayer. And you pray quietly and you say, how's God gonna hear me? The Bible teaches us, he teaches us that he knows every thought and every intention in our heart. He knows if you're talking to him. And I would invite you to say these words to him this morning if you wanna be saved. Just call on his name. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So do this this morning with me. Whisper this prayer to God. Just say, Dear Heavenly Father, that's who He is. 
Dear Heavenly Father, say that to him. Would you please forgive me of all of my sins and come into my life? I believe that your son died and he's alive today. And he did that so that I would have peace in my life. Peace with you, peace forever. Would you save me this morning? Thank you for loving me. And I thank you for saving me today. Hey, everybody's eyes are closed. Nobody's looking around. It's just between you and the Lord. But if you prayed with me this morning and invited Jesus to come into your heart, I'm not going to confront you. I promise you or make you feel uncomfortable at all. I just want to thank God for what he did in your life this morning. And if you would be so bold when I count to three, just lift your hand up. If you prayed with me and invited Christ to come into your life, if you did that online, shoot me an email today, pastor at warehousechurch.com and we will reach out to you and be an encouragement to you but if you prayed with me this morning and invited Christ to come into your life on the count of three would you just shoot your hand up in the air one, two, three just lift your hand up in the air all over the auditorium God bless you guys God bless you sir anybody else this morning God bless you my friend God bless you sweet girl pastor I prayed and I invited Jesus in my heart today God bless you my dear friend so glad you're here today Maybe today God's speaking to your heart just about telling others. And that's hard to do, man, because we, we, we feel that our world tells us that if we talk about our religion, we're judgmental. They, you don't have to tell anybody how bad they are. You just need to tell people how good God is. Invite them to church. Invite them to your house. Invite them to lunch. Give them a card that's on your chair inviting them to a big activity we're having next week right here at Warehouse Church. You can be an encouragement and a blessing just by demonstrating care. They might say no the first time. They may say no the second time. But God's going to bless your efforts and use you to reach people for him if you have a heart to do that for him. How many would say this morning, Pastor, I'm praying today that God would help me be a peace dealer, a peace distributor, and that I would have an opportunity to invite somebody to church and tell somebody about Jesus this week. If that's true about you, shoot your hand up in the air all over the room. God bless you. 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 I want to pray. And as we have our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I just want you to think about this. Next week, we're doing something really cool in the church. We have a couple testimonies in the This Is Us series that are going to talk about baptism. And baptism is an outward expression of an inward relationship. And next week, Nick's going to come up here and tell you about a big thing we're doing for uh, big thing we're doing outside Sunday, Funday. We're going to do hot dogs and ice cream stuff and hot fudge Sundays and all kind of neat stuff we're going to do next week after church. We're doing that to, to give you a big boost to come back next week as well. But we're also doing a baptism next week. And a baptism is when we're just, we're going to invite people that have accepted Christ as their Savior to get in the water with me and we just dunk you in the water. And we don't do that to make you more or less saved. We do that because God told us He wants us to identify with Him through baptism. And when you do that, you're obeying Him and when you obey Him, He blesses you. So if that's something you would consider this morning, please see one of our workers out at the visitor's table. You could you just let us know after church. Dave's on one side. Uh, Michelle's on the other side walking out the door. They have, if you've accepted Christ as Savior today, you, uh, about seven or eight of you this morning. And we're thankful for that church, aren't we, this morning? Let's celebrate that. You can look up now unless you're sleeping. It's okay. I'm sorry. But if you want to be baptized next week, see Dave on, on my left side, your right, or Michelle, she's standing by the door, and they have some literature for you. If you've accepted Christ as Savior, let them know. Say, hey, I prayed and got saved today. They're going to give you a book and some stuff, and we just want to be an encouragement to you. But we're doing some baptisms next week. And listen, if you're not ready, 
Don't not come to church next week. Come back and watch other people get baptized and eat an ice cream sundae, but you'll be encouraged by what they're doing, okay? Hey, thank you, Lord, for what you did in our church today. We love you, Lord Jesus. Bless us, bless us, bless us. Thank you for your resurrection and the peace of God that passes all understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.